Hi, I'm Nat. And I'm Lizzie. Welcome to The Third Space, a podcast for youth workers by youth workers to talk about the highs and lows of working with young folks in spaces outside of school and home. We're here. We're here. We're doing it. Doing it. Two weeks in a row at that. Um, I am pleased with us. All right. So this week we are talking about early group dynamics. Yeah, I was like, how do I do a drum roll? I'm going to drop the notebook. It's really exciting. So we're going to start off with a check-in. And our check-in today is a little self-reflection about early group dynamics. Um, So why why don't you start us off by sharing how you how you act in new group settings. When you are a group participant, what are you like? Who, me? Yeah, you. Oh, great. Um, Hi, I'm Nat, again. My pronouns are they, them. And uh, it never fails, no matter how long the group is meeting for, whether it's like a workshop or a three-day series of workshops or a retreat or a new job or new class, whatever, I'm always just like defaulting to observer mode. Like for the first, um, I don't know. So I noticed, I, I think I first noticed that pattern of mine, like when I was in grad school, maybe. And I'm like, maybe by like the second or third class, I feel a little bit more comfortable to like share or lean into vulnerability. Um, but yeah, I like to watch and get a lay of the land and just kind of like see who the players are and um, kind of get a sense of who folks in the space are. I experience you differently in group spaces. <laughs> I feel like I mean, it's different if I'm facilitating this. No, space. I think you, your version of observer mode is participatory. Like you talk. Like, you meet people, you introduce yourself, you, like, connect with other people, like, you mingle. Now it's very good at a mingle, which is interesting. It depends. I think it really depends on the setting. But I think when it's a new group space, I observe you. Like, you – I hear what you're saying about, like, not, partici- not, like, sharing a lot in a vulnerable way. But I don't think that for you that looks like not talking. Like, I don't think it's quiet. Your version of observer mode is not quiet. I don't think – any mode of mind. I think that's probably true. <laughs> but I think quiet. that's an important distinction. When you say observer mode, what mm. I imagine is someone not participating, and I don't think that's true for you. Then I've definitely, that is grown. Like, that is like, I have grown oh. those skills because I definitely, I think, been in a lot of learning spaces where I will just like kind of like sit. Well, grad school was a minute ago, so that makes sense. Okay. How about you? <laughs> what do you uh, do in new group spaces? I think I am quiet in new group spaces. I don't think I participate very much for the first like beginning part, and then I usually can't help myself after a certain period of time. <laughs> There's like, a tipping point. There, well, I because I think there is a tipping point because I like contain, 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 and then I'm like blah. Um, but I'm usually much more likely to participate once we've moved into problem solving. Like I, mm. when we're into the like work of the group, I'm much more, I'm like a super active participant. Um, I think I tend to be quieter in new group spaces when I don't, when the task, there's not a clear task. Mm. Um, so like, even like when I go to new people's houses, like I want, 
I love when I go to somebody's house and they give me a task. Yes. Like chop the vegetables. Same. I'm so Put here. Me on dishes. Yeah, like... I'm great at that. I feel like I'm less good at like connecting with new people. Like I enjoy connecting through an activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think without that, I tend to flounder a little bit. Whereas I, and I think that's different than the way I observe you, which is mm. you're more comfortable introducing yourself or at least you appear that way maybe it's all a lie maybe it's all a lie I mean I do (laughs) I do put on a pretty good public face I will say though I guess my true baseline default is comedian like I am trying to and and sometimes to even my own detriment of like I am running a meeting and I'm the one who is going to interrupt us being on task to make the funny because I just want I just need everyone to think I'm funny. You're very funny. Thank you. Thank you for feeding, fueling my need for constant external validation. Um, all right. So rumor has it that you have a rumor story. We it. can't make the same joke two weeks in a row. Did we do that? Like- <laughs> Great. You're welcome. <laughs> if it didn't make it in, then yes. At some point, at some edit. Um, so you have a story around the about around early group dynamics. Yeah. So I was trying to think of a story from far in my past, but then I realized that we are in the season of early group dynamics. Yep. Um, it's a new school year. A new school year and all of that. Um, and groups. so yeah. So I think I'm going to just share we are in my own youth leadership program. We just finished our first, well, our second meeting. Our first, like, wasn't normal. It was supposed working to be our- meeting. Was our, yes, first working meeting. Thank you. Um, and, yeah, and so it's actually interesting to share. It's interesting to hear different people talk about, like, you talk about your own kind of new group style is like the comedian versus like the very quiet task oriented person um, for myself and like thinking about all of our new, my new group members in their space. So actually that was interesting even just from that. But I think um, the, at our first working meeting, we divided into teams. So our group works in teams um, and we had one team where our youth leaders were both out for a variety of, reasons it was like we have two youth leaders that like run each team meeting but this particular team didn't have their youth leaders there and then they also have a new the adult ally in the space is new this year so also Mm. had not run a meeting so it was just like a lot of factors (laughs) um and it's also one of the teams where the the task itself is the least clear so like one of our Uh. team's plan social events, which is like pretty clear because you're planning a social event. The other team is working on some educational stuff, but they have some very specific specific and targeted stuff they're working on. They're wanting to do a podcast and they're working with a GSA and they have some, yeah, it's cool. Um, and some other things like that. So like their work is just like very clear, whereas this team is focused on transformative justice. And so it's just like this big concept and not everybody oh, yeah. knows the same about things about it and so there's like a learning curve around the topic people don't know what they're doing like whatever well and it's not like there's objective like this is what transformative justice means today we solved transformative justice um yeah no not a thing so anyway so there's like a lot of structural factors working against this team but also it was a really challenging for me as a facilitator it was a really challenging set of 
personalities and like kind of like first day energy. So I had like Mm. one young person who is older, like as a senior, but is just, and is quiet, but like engaged, but just like a quiet participator, like is also like a writer and just like, that's like the way that he moves through the world. I had another group participant in that space who very talkative, very outgoing, like doesn't seem to experience a lot of social anxiety, like is on debate (laughs) to give some context, like really interested in politics and law, just like ready to go for the thing. And then my, who is also a junior, so an upperclassman. And then the third person in this space is a freshman in high school. Like, so working with these two older people, brand new to the space, hasn't been in any space like this before. Brand new to high school. Brand new to high school. And just like clearly anxious, like I think nervous about being in the space. And also um, just like, also just like a quiet participator um, from other group spaces as well. So it was like two very quiet personalities and one more talkative personality. And we were trying to sort of work together on like brainstorming some possible activities that the group could do during the school year. But of course the brainstorm then became like totally about the one person who was more talkative. Right. And then the two people that were more quiet, like didn't really contribute because there wasn't really space for them to contribute and the group was really small. So it was like not enough people to like break into small groups to like create more opportunities for our smaller participant or for not our smaller, but like our less participatory participants. And then I was kind of trying to like navigate the way through it. But then I was also feeling this immense pressure to help the group develop some sense of cohesion because it was their first working meeting. And so I don't want them to be like, well, I'm not coming back to that space because like that was awkward. Um, which I was like also trying to manage my own anxiety about like that. Um, and trying to like help them, help them work together. And I think like, not that I feel like we landed in like a perfect solution or anything. And I did end up splitting them to groups, but put one of them with the adult ally in the space. Um, and so I think like to help try to navigate the group in that way, but I, I still think I struggled a lot with trying to figure out like what the appropriate, how to structure the space so that everyone would feel like they belonged, feel like they had something to contribute, but then also like start moving towards some like meaningful work. And so I feel like it just like really highlighted the challenge between like different people coming to group spaces with different personalities in the first place, but then also like the added intensity of how different people respond to early stages of groups and like who participates more and who participates less, especially at the beginning. Can I ask a clarifying question? Yes. It's the same question, but there are two different levels to it. So I'm curious in your youth leadership program, is it um, like, what is the ratio of new participants versus folks who have been there before both, in the larger group and then also within this smaller team that you're well, working with? in the larger group, it's about one to three. So like one, no, about a third. Sorry. I don't know if that's right. I don't know how ratios work. Math. Uh, one to three. I think a third is a third. One or three. About a third of our group is returners. Um, okay. But they're, all of our returners are on exec this year. So all of our like leaders of the youth leaders are all returners. And then all of the new people are like 
just split up into the team. So because my two execs were not there, this team was all new people, which is why I felt like I really had to take on this like very active group facilitator role. So anyway, that's, it's not, it's definitely not like a story with an ending on it in the sense that like, I'm curious to see how it plays out next week with different, again, different people in the space, especially with our exec members there. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it it's also I I can't help but thinking mostly I know not to be self not to center myself in your story because it's like responsive but as you were talking I was like, yeah, this is and I don't know if I've already mentioned this in this space. I will probably talk about it a lot this year. I was going to say this season, but we haven't decided if we're going to do seasons. Um but this is the first year that I'm looking at doing like a, not looking to I'm doing a fully remote version of our youth leadership program because our regional diversity is kind of all over the place. There's no critical mass of like one place where it makes sense to have folks meeting in person. And so we had our first orientation session last Friday and I was just like really pleased with myself that as part of that, I, um, built in opportunities for them to practice working on an activity. So like, all right, here's a calendar for the next year, review this, let it like start, like start engaging in a large group brainstorm and like breaking up possible project ideas along these three focus areas. Right. And, um, then kind of like stepped away and to see how that group dynamic would do that. Um, But similarly, I think we have a couple folks, we're around half of returners and non, um, but in that space, the folks who had done the work previously, I think were the first ones to kind of start like leading those spaces. So yeah, all of that is to say that I'm very sympathetic to Right. Well, your situation. Right. And it's interesting, right? So for friends who are familiar with like the group stages model, right? Okay. The like forming, forming, norming, storming, and performing, right? Um, I don't know. Sometimes people have heard of those things before from other spaces as well. But the stages for people who don't know what they are were created by this guy named Bruce Tuckman, um, who created a four four stage model of group development that goes forming, storming, norming, and performing. So the idea is at the very beginning, groups are forming. Um, so they're like kind of coming together. People are on their best behavior, kind of focus on their own things, like whatever. Storming is the part where people try to like kind of sort it out. People are trying to decide like, is this a group where I can be myself? Is it not? Things like that. Um, norming is kind of coming together after the storming phase so where people kind of create their own norms um and then performing when people are really like achieving the goals of the group and things like that and then later on they added a last stage called adjourning adjourning um where it's about the part where the group ends or sort of the termination process of the group but I think one of the big challenges, I think, with youth spaces in particular, right, is that they're inherently transient. So almost always you have returners, right, versus new people because they always graduate out, right? You always have young right. people that age out of your program. So right. you have to keep having new people right. come into them. So whether it's like 
group session by group session or program year by program year, you're always going to have some returners and some new, unless right. you're starting from scratch. Right. Um, but of course, for most of us, we work in programs that continue onward, right, in some way. Right. Um, and so I think that challenge of like the sort of the group forming piece where like old group members, right. Who have, who are returning to group have experienced the group in one way. And so their conception of what the group is and how the group works and all of those pieces are like already there. Right. Versus, and then they're going through the stage of like trying to form like that you're sort of breaking apart their perception of what the group is and then adding and then trying to add these new group members yeah. and sort of create a new conception of group with everybody all together. Right. Um, which can be really challenging um, to sort of to think through and to do as well. Didn't you have, well, yes. And it, it is kind of similar because this is also the first year that we're doing a lot of, fr- so this is the first time that we have a leadership group that is fully remote. This is also the first time that we have like three distinct and focused area, like subcommittees working. Right. Um, and, but regardless, all of that aside, do, do you not, have an experience similar to that where you kind of like came into a group that was already kind of like, yes, we have our norm, like th- we have our right. way of doing well, it. Right. You are changing the other, yes, the other the story I thought about sharing, um, was the one was when so when I first started in this particular role, I took over for a staff member who had been in the role for 15 years previous oh. to me. Um, and so I came in and like, she obviously had a group of volunteers that she'd be work she'd been working with. And like, part of the reason why, why I was there is that the group participation in most of the groups had dropped anyway. And so, and as it often happens with staff transitions, when the staff transition, some, some youth also transition, um, just like not interested in engaging with a new staff member, um, but I did have one group in particular that had a pretty dedicated group of not a huge number, but three or four young people who would come every week to program. And I, and the groups had been running more like process groups. So they were more focused on, um, you know, like helping people cope with challenging situations, people talking about challenging situations they were going through, just like really sitting in this is what's hard. Here's how I need support. It's like that kind of conversation, which right. is fine. But we were re kind of doing the program and changing the program model away from that and into a more like social activity based space mm-hmm. and an effort to reach a wider audience of young people who maybe didn't need a process group, but maybe just needed a social forum to meet other people. And so um, as a part of that, like it was it was, I mean, very similarly challenging in the sense that I was just like really kind of like upending yeah like kind of blowing up their perceptions of what the group was um and I do think there was you know some resistance at the outset to me being there which makes sense um but I also think like kind of allowed opportunities for people to shift and grow which also makes me think of um the work that I do in classroom workshops, which is also very similar. So I'm often an outside facilitator, right? I teach sex ed in classrooms. And so I'm an outside facilitator walking into a group that already exists, right? Like the class community already exists. Um, no pressure. 
as an outside facilitator who is into sex ed, right. Who is intended to hold this conversation quite honestly. And sex ed conversations often require a different set of group norms than do most classroom conversations. I mean, I don't know that I necessarily believe that's true, but I think often the way that classrooms are set up is not conducive to a sex ed conversation, right? Like most there, there are no, there are right answers about biology and sex ed, but there are no right answers about decisions in sex ed. Mm. Like it's an inherently non-judgmental sh- space. We try to do like anti-shame work, like all of this stuff, right? That I hope most teachers are doing in lots of ways, but often you have to kind of like shift the group dynamics a little bit of right. the space. And it's also just like a scary topic to talk about. And so a lot of participants, like a lot of students are fearful of participating. Um, and so but of course I'm often only there for 45 minutes or whatever. Right. And I'm like trying to sort of get the group to a place of performing pretty quickly because we have to get through a lesson plan or whatever. Um, And so we do the pieces of like, okay, like I'm here, things are different sort of like the forming and norming piece where we try to set explicit norms, right? These are the group agreements, but I think we also get to the place. And one of the greatest challenges that I have as a facilitator in those spaces is when students create, um, an unintentional norm of non-participation. So like they're Mm. either afraid to participate or, um, they're like, I don't know you grown person. I don't want to participate for you or like whatever. And so the, sort of like, so then I get a lot of like stares, like blank stares at my face, um, which is like not super conducive to a participatory pop-ed workshop about sex ed um, or like healthy relationships or consent or whatever. And so I think, um, you know, it's interesting, like when we have situations like that, like having to be flexible in the way that we teach material, like having to be able to do like, okay, turn to your part, like turn to a person sitting next to you and share with them for 10 seconds about this topic. And then immediately everyone is able to share, right? Because the sort of group dynamic is we don't share in the large group. And what's interesting is when I have groups where I can hear the small group conversations, and they're super on point, and they're way on target. And then when I try to have people share out with a large group, they still won't share. And that's part of what tells me like, okay, cool. So like the norm in this space is like, we don't talk in a large group. So like, it doesn't mean people aren't engaging with my content. It means that they're not going to engage in this particular structure. And so I feel like that's also part of like being adaptive as the facilitator to like, and being respectful in some ways of like that group and their own, their own ways of being while also, but I think there's a balance between that and accountability. Like I'm also going to hold you accountable to the fact that like you have to participate in order to get something out of this. Right. Um, and trying to hold that balance between flexibility as a facilitator, meeting the needs of the group, but also holding them accountable to the purpose of the group as well. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. But I mean, I think we see that. I think, but I'm curious about how, if, or if you feel like that theme of like accountability to the purpose of the group and like flexibility and meeting the group's needs, like plays out in other spaces. I mean, yeah, I think in any, I mean, I think anyone who is lucky enough to be a youth worker, right? Like, um, you know, I think of the ways that we do 
whether it's like structured or ritualized, right? How do we check in with one another? How do we read, right? Like the mood of the space or of the folks who are in the space? How do we um, build in practices that check into that? How do we just know? You know, I think when big picture life stuff interrupts or throws our plans completely off the rails, like we have to adjust to account for that, right? Um, And I also think it provides... I think it provides strong modeling that, right, that there are things, well, to take a step back, right, oftentimes what is the purpose of a group? You are like, you have like shared vision or outcomes or products or whatever, right, the sense of like productivity, you know, like whether it's like a learned lesson, so like goals or objectives, or whether it's like we're developing a resource or we're putting together a workshop, whatever it is, right? Um, I think it's good for young folks to see us be able to do that kind of adjustment and flexibility, right? And realize that there are things like that are bigger and more important than that which we are currently working on and that is right our relationships with one another that is like when our community is impacted by right I guess I'm also thinking of like when the purpose of the group is the relationships so Mm -hmm. like right like I think that makes sense when it's like a task oriented group right right, right, versus a group that is relationship oriented that the primary purpose of what we're doing is building relationships and our capacity to connect with one another. So I'm even thinking like, so I'm in a new group this week. That's sixth graders. They're so cute. And it's such a great opportunity for me to be like, yes, young people are great Um, with my sixth graders. And the primary purpose of that group is to like build a sense of connectedness and belonging with one another. And we had this Mm -hmm. moment was our first full group meeting during our regular after school time. We had a registration thing, but it was a little different. Right. And so we were doing, starting for the very first time, like a snack and check-in process. And this young person wouldn't, and our, it was like, say your name and your favorite fruit. It was like pretty low, low level vulnerability right. here. <laughs> and this young person would not share, Yeah. would not share, would not say his name, would not share his fruit, like did not want to share. And... I think there's like a part of me, right, that like would want to be flexible in terms of like wanting to give that young person the option to not share. There's also, I don't want to set a norm in this group that we just like are never vulnerable, Right. right? Because like, I'm recognizing that probably what's happening for this young person is that it feels vulnerable to share. And it's new. And so like, I don't, and like, yes, they have some like peer relationships with the other young people in the space. But like, this is a new space. I don't exactly know what's going on here. Like, whatever. But I don't want to say, but but I know that what will happen, right, like intuitively if is like if I let this young person pass, the next three boys in the line are also going to pass because it's going to become like, quote unquote, not cool mm. to share. And so like there is a, I feel like there's a balance between the accountability of participation right. with the flexibility to like meet young people where they are and like recognize that there are real reasons why people may or may not be able to share at that time. And I think like, you know, and like shout out to my colleague who, who does 
have a pre-existing relationship with this young person, but Mm. also like really held the boundary of like, no, I believe that you can share. I believe you can share your name and your favorite fruit. And like kind of paused the group for a period of time, partially in order for this young person to get some peer feedback of like, dude, like just share your name, like Mm -hmm. just share your favorite fruit. Like it's fine. Right. But also to like reinforce her belief and his capacity to share. Right. Right. Like I believe that you can, I know it might be uncomfortable for you, but I believe in your ability to tolerate the awkwardness or uncomfortable, like part of being vulnerable and sit through it. And you because he's getting in his own way by not sharing, right? Yeah. So like by not being vulnerable, he's actually prohibiting himself from connecting with the other young people in that space and with the adults in that space, right? He's right. just like getting in his own way towards the purpose of the group. And so I think like thinking about like that balance between being flexible and being adaptive, but also dude, like you get in what you put out of it. Like, or you get out what you put well, in. It, it, it just requires really strong anchoring, right? right? And well, and then you're also in, and so it requires really strong anchoring and it also is impacted by a number of other factors, right? Like limitations of time and space, right? Like, cause if y'all are running this group and I don't know how long you have, but as you were talking, I was, I was remembering, um, a workshop that I have facilitated a couple times now at a school of partner schools, like um, youth summit of using like circle process as a tool, as a dialogue tool talking around like self care. Um, but right. Circle process. You have a talking piece, like the person who is holding the piece like shares and you do as part of the guidelines, right. We recognize that, even passing, even just listening is participating, but it has been because I have like 90 minutes with those young folks, right? It is often my experience that if folks pass in the first go around, I always try to incorporate a second like passing of the talking piece to give folks an opportunity to either like respond to someone else. And oftentimes it's in that second go around that even folks who have passed will then share. Right. But you might not necessarily have. Right. We have like 50 minutes. Right. Right. Exactly. But and so, yeah, no. So that's just like yeah. kudos to your colleague for being like, no, I'm grounded. I am well, rooted in what our goals are. Right. And I guess I think the other piece of that that's really important is like recognizing that at the beginning of group, right. Like during that forming and norming part of group, like as the adult facilitator, part of your role is, is the accountability piece, right? right? In the hopes that then young people can model that for each other as the group continues, right? You start out as a stronger presence, so that as the group continues to grow and continues to work, you can sort of jellyfish out as like, a less significant part of like, enforcing the norms, like, holding people accountable, like pieces like that. Like, and that's, that's the goal, right? right? But in order to get there, we have to model as adults, like how to be how to do that or right. like what is appropriate or what, what, what our expectations are. All right. So we've talked over many a thing, many way and many different ways that group early group formation or the things that happen throughout early group formation. Um, I'm curious, Lizzie, if you've got any kind of concrete suggestions or ideas for when you're kind of like in those earlier stages and things aren't feeling 
great. There's weirdness. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I alluded to this already, but my definite go-to strategy is um, is the parent share situation. Mm. Um, Tried I and it, true. Yeah. I use it all the time in, a, in classrooms in particular when we're having trouble with participation. Um, but it's also good for managing like louder talkers and quieter talkers because people are often more comfortable sharing with um one like one-on-one rather than in a group so I think like turn to a person sitting near you or or sometimes find a friend that you don't know or that you didn't know coming in and like do x activity or um or I have been known to while staring at the group in a moment of like, oh my gosh, this is not going as planned. Like create some structured groups on a piece of paper, like who needs to go with who so that we can diffuse whatever the strange thing is that's mm. happening. So just like creating some more structured groups or just like the turn to a friend. I think the parent share for sure. Mm. I feel like the other, and actually I guess this is in a similar vein, but just like creating alternatives for participation. So like, yeah. um, what I call all on the wall. So like putting up a butcher paper or like a a giant post-it with like a question and having people respond to it either directly on the poster or like giving people post-its and having people write down their responses. Um, using like, I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say like using even like, um, using like a circle process or a talking piece, like a round Robin style of communicating so that participation is equalized, like something that equalizes participation. Yeah. I would also, I'm just on that point to piggyback. I was once in a workshop around like how to make youth spaces as accessible as possible and recognizing that folks process in a lot of different totally. ways. And so if you're only relying on verbal participation or like incorporating a writing piece, but also like texting, or like group mm. me, right? Like depending again on like size, scope, like in, in a 45 minute classroom, probably no. wouldn't go to that. Although there are some of those like online polls, like ways for people right. to participate, which I have used. Some. That's like a quiz thing, right. but there's also right. like just a way that people can like anonymously submit questions. Yeah. I don't remember what tool it was. Yeah. But- But I've also realized, like, you know, again, as we look towards a remote situation, like when we are all working on the same Google document, like that is also a way of participating, right? Um, And how do you, or like, you know, you can sketch or draw on these post-its to add to the conversation, right? Um, Or like accepting like sketches that folks might do. Um, I think movement is always good for diffusing weird energy. Mm-hmm. That feels, that? I, I was about to say that feels weird coming right off of like an accessibility edit, but like, or like if you're doing like a theater game, like sometimes if you're just in a place where like energy feels like stuck or you're staring at a room full of young folks who are all just like staring at you, st- right? Like staring at you, bored out of their gourd, super tired. Maybe you have the period like right after lunch and no one feels like doing or anything after lunch first period. or first period. Oh man. I mean, but then I'm, I'm like, I'm with y'all. Like yeah. I am also at this That's energy great. level. This is not my shade of day. Um, yeah, so doing like a theater game or a, an energizing situation, right? Are we going to do some stretches? Are we going to do some calisthenics or like zip zap, whatever, whatever zip, that zap zap. Zip, you know, yep. Zip zap zap. Yeah. Google it. Um, <laughs> well, or even just like a bio break. To your point, just like right. 
go to the bathroom, get a drink of water, yeah. snacks. Yeah. Um, but that's where I find like it most helpful to have a collection of kind of like go-to energy, like icebreakers, team builders, theater games, energizer, right? Yeah. Like fill the space. I think like the the movement game where everyone's just kind of like little molecules floating through space and you have to fill the entire space, but it gets folks moving and not necessarily in any particular patterns. Um, but then you can freeze them and then do a parent share, right? So they're by mm. someone who is different than where Smart. you would normally be, right? Um, thanks, Aika. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think too, like even in those strategies, the part I'm hearing too is like identify where the weirdness is coming from. Like, mm-hmm. is it coming from imbalanced participation? Then like highlight different ways to participate. Is it coming from like a lack of people mixing? Like, because I think there's a couple of different ways to mix people up. Is it yeah. coming from like just like low energy? Like, cause sometimes that can happen, especially right. at the beginning of groups and we're doing so much going over group agreements and like kind of going over stuff. Like, there's a lot of absorbing of information and we can just right. only do that so long. Um, and I think too, like something that you've brought up in conversation before is like, is the issue actually like a lack of trust? Like actually is the lack of participation coming from, or like the in unequal participation coming from a lack of trust of either you as the facilitator or of the other group members in the space as being right. safe people to be authentic with. And I think to your point too, like icebreakers and things like that, that require a different kind of vulnerability can be really helpful. Or offer opportunities for connection. Human bingo. Human bingo. Love human bingo. So we do that. It's kind of like our default um, icebreaker for when folks are arriving at our one day youth leadership event. And it's, you know, you just got some bingo squares filled out with various like characteristics or traits, you know, like someone who has a pet other than a cat or a dog. Right. And then you have to go find someone to sign or initial that box. And I find I, you know, the last time I participated in human bingo, it was like someone whose birthday is in the same month as you. And that's how I came to learn that there is only one other Aquarius at the, our new organizational home. (laughs) Um, And so I find it's also a way to build connections. Cause if you say like, you can't sign your own box, right. Or you cannot sign your own bingo card. Then, mm-hmm. and some of those hold true to you, then you're also going to find connections with the people who you are able to get to sign your own, that box. Totally. All right. Should we check out? Yeah. Yeah. Well, am I leading? Oh, I can go. I don't remember. I feel ready. Great. Um, about, like what our takeaway is from today. Um, I think that one of the things that I am taking away from today is like remembering that even just like a reminder of the group stages that like, that like we're really just like building towards the place where people are vulnerable enough to have conflict that like the forming Mm. stage is really about, creating enough safety so that there can be the storming stage, which is the authentic conflict. Um, And I think trying to think through like how, I think just like thinking through what my role as a facilitator is in that space and like how that sort of balance between the accountability, like the accountability and flexibility 
um, of meeting people where they are, but also holding people accountable to the purpose of the group, um, which isn't a super concrete takeaway, but I'm really (laughs) sitting with that. I think, especially in relationship to this new group that I'm a part of and how, how we can sort of scaffold vulnerability over time. Like how do you, I think that's the question. The question I'm leaving with is how to scaffold vulnerability in a group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think my takeaway is, um, so again, recognizing that this is also the first time where we just haven't had a bit of like rolling membership. Right. Um, I think I'm just like leaving with the, um, like forefront of the thought, like a thought at the front of my brain that as we go into any of our events, any of our, like this programming cycle, right. Um, to be holding just the knowledge of group formation, not necessarily, um, trying to like disaster plan or strategize around each phase, but just like, I guess to go into that observer mode, like, Oh, we're trying new things. So let's see how does this play out? But then how do we, how do we structure for that for a day long event? How do we structure for that for a five day long overnight camp event? Mm -hmm. How do we structure for that for an overnight retreat? How do we structure for that for a year long youth leadership program and then how do we structure account for that right like when we do have people who roll over and new people coming on right and so just um yeah as someone who I don't think ever really like consciously thought about and again like didn't even know that those different stages of group formation existed (laughs) until you introduced them to me um yeah, I think just holding on to that a little bit more consciously when I'm thinking through that stuff. And that's it for this episode of The Third Space. Um, We hope you'll be back next time for our episode on parent or adult family member engagement. Um, We would truly love to have some listener questions, comments, thoughts, ideas, reactions, brilliance, magic, whatever you would like to share. Um, So please feel free to send us your brilliance and an email or a voice memo to info at airandwaterwork.com. Thanks, youth youth workers. We see you. We appreciate you. You rock.